The Web 2.0 Show is a proud part of the Podvine Network. For more information about the Podvine Network, please go to podvine.com. The Web 2.0 Show Episode 30 Tail Rank Welcome to Episode 30 of the Web 2.0 Show. I'm Josh Owens. And I'm Chris Saylor. The Web 2.0 Show profiles the hottest people and technologies from what we like to call the new web. This week we'll be interviewing Kevin Burton from Tail Rank. And hopefully, if we have time, we'll also be discussing uh, some sites we've linked to in Delicious and some listener emails. Kevin, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. You uh, you help me out a lot when uh, when I run into problems um, as far as system administration goes. We just ran across a, a cool tool called uh, Monit. I thought our listeners might be interested in that. Do you use anything like that, Kevin? I think I've played with Monet. Isn't it basically sort of a, a Nagios uh, competitor? Kind of. It it starts and stops services and, and monitors them to make sure that they don't get uh, out of control, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. We just started using it on uh, the Steel Pixel server, and it's it's been pretty good, actually. I think you can you can configure Nagios to do that. I think one of the sort of frustrations for me is that uh, all these tools end up going, uh, you know, eight-tenths of the way to being uh, ideal, and then the developers end up giving up on it or, or something like that. So nothing is actually perfect. Yeah, the nice thing about this one is that you don't have to worry. I mean, there's nothing, like, overly fancy about it. It tracks what's going on in your system now. It, it's not like a graphing tool or anything like that. It just watches services. If they die, it can restart them. Or if they get too big, it can restart them, or it can alert you, whatever you want it to do. Nice. And, uh... For me, that's that's been a great thing because we ran into problems with uh, Apache dying on us because it, it just started chewing up too much memory. Yeah, we have a misbehaved uh, movable type installation, but oh. I think that's all one of our customers. Not that Perl's bad or anything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a bunch of uh, watchdog scripts for... Uh, they don't really... Um, most TaylorMade pr- pretty much runs 24-7 without any um, interaction. But earlier, when uh, our robots were a little bit younger, they would have a couple memory issues here and there. and file They would bleed file handles. And I had a bunch of watchdog scripts that would just automatically restart uh, restart our, de- our robots. But um, yeah. for the most part, they pretty much run unattended now. So anyway, if you guys are interested, check out Monit. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes. Very cool. I promise and, uh, to do the show notes. A little do what? I promise to do the show notes. <laughs> oh, wow. That'll be a first in, like, forever. <laughs> um, so, I guess uh, <laughs> we've talked a little bit here. You uh, you started TailRank. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you did before TailRank, and uh, then maybe we can get into what TailRank is. Sure. Um, well, before I did uh, TailRank, I uh, uh, co-founded Rojo.com, which was a, an online it is an RS, online RSS aggregator. It sort of competes with uh, blog lines and, and Google Reader, if you've ever played with those two. Um, it was recently just purchased by uh, Six Apart. Yeah, I saw that. So they're, uh, so they're running the service. And I, le- I was there for two and a half years after I started the company, and I left about a year ago to focus on TailRank. And before that, I've done a lot of open source work. So I have uh, 
did a lot of work in the Apache Software Foundation. I started a few projects over there, contributed to a lot of the projects. And uh, for the most part now, I'm, um, I try to remain an entrepreneur because uh, I think one of the things I learned in um, uh, Apache was that they're really, really good at implementation of technologies that sort of already exist, but they're not as good as inventing things. And I, and I kind of like inventing new, new and cool things. Yeah, and actually we, uh, we tried to give you uh, another job <laughs> way back when. Uh, I think Chris said you worked at Odeo <laughs> in one of our first shows. That's right. I wish I was that yeah. prolific. But. <laughs> so tell, actually tell us about Tailrank. Sure. So uh, Tailrank's a service, and it monitors the blog sphere and just tries to find the hottest uh, the stories that people are talking about at once, just the hottest news of the day. And the way it works is that we read uh, around 150 blogs, or I'm sorry, 150,000 blogs per hour, and we try to find the hottest stories that people are talking about. So I think the top story right now is that Firefox 2.0 was just released um, I'm, I, I'm gonna have to play with that, and there's a, some political issues about Bush lying again. So um, no, not that's Bush. not. I, <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on politics. I, that'll go on a big tangent there. But is that um, even news anymore? Right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of old hat. Yeah, actually, um, I was uh, reading your blog, trying to gather some questions today, and saw that you were talking about Keith Olbermann and, and uh, the report he had on the Military Commissions Act and uh, clicked on Tail Rank, and I was actually using it, finding all the stories that were related to that. So it's a slick little product. Yeah, sure. more and more people do that. They'll read a story on Tail Rank, and then they'll cover it on their blogs, and then they'll go, uh, okay, you know, here's this, the link on Tail Rank, and you can just read the full the full story on uh on Tail Rank. And we actually sort the thread sort of by the highest ranking stories first. So if you know, a, a meme about Firefox takes off, you'll see that the first stories are often like the download links because a lot of people link to those. But the secondary stories are all often reviews of Firefox as it's being released. So it's a pretty good way to sort of find a specific story and then read up on it. Yeah, cool stuff. So you just uh, released a, a version 2 last week. What uh, what kind of stuff did you add? Yeah, that was a lot of work, actually. I think it was about six months worth of hard work. But the majority of the stuff was actually back-end work. Um, uh, updates to our robots so that they would aggregate uh, faster. And um, a lot of relevancy work. Uh, a couple more algorithms to sort of prevent spam and, and higher-ranking uh, content. And just overall relevancy in general. And uh, we have we managed to sneak in a few more features. The biggest one is that we have a totally brand new user interface. The user interface is much better, and uh, uh, people are really really happy with it. And uh, the other feature we added is a tracking feature. So if you have a story, like for example this Firefox story, you can uh, give Tailrank your IM, uh, uh, your instant messenger address, and it will send you IMs as new stories are around that break. So that's basically 2.0 in a nutshell. You said you added some new spam features. Um, is it hard to detect spam? We're actually pretty good at it. I think uh, we're almost 0% spam. I think we've actually had to manually flag maybe less than 30 items that have ever defeated our spam filters. And uh, that was one of the sort of things that I... Uh, one of the reasons I decided to start TailRank was that we're really, really, really good at defeating spam. So um, it hasn't been much of an issue. But... The, some of the 
uh, issues that we have to deal with aren't necessarily spam as much as just bad content that we have to we, we, we want to try to push it down a little bit farther as opposed to like the overt Viagra ads that um, you know are make it into um, comment uh, spam every once in a while along the similar lines do you have a problem with um, I guess indexing other blogs that have stolen content from other blogs that that seems the way we index, yeah, I think it's a valid question, and I think if we were to index like 55 million blogs that Technorati does, we might start to have that problem. But we're really picky about what we add, and the way we add blogs is based on link structure. So if it's duplicate content, humans are really good at weeding that out. Mm-hmm. So we would very, very... We haven't ever run across that problem, and I don't think we will, because it's basically other bloggers that are suggesting blogs for us to index. And people don't tend to not link to fake blogs, so yeah, think, spam blogs. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Chris Messina actually just uh, mentioned something on his blog about your auto discovery feature. Yeah. What What is that, and how does it work? Okay, so some background is that Tail has a personalized meme tracker functionality, so you can log in, create an account, and then um, tell us some blogs that you're interested in. And then TailRank will just show you the stories that are around that blog. So if you're interested in a lot of Linux or a lot of uh, open source work, you can subscribe to a bunch of open source blogs, and then you can have a version of TailRank for open source. Uh, in order to make that easy, we have this auto-discover feature where you can come to TailRank, create an account, and just click auto-detect. And what it'll do is it auto- it'll figure out the blogs that you're reading and automatically import them. And we do that through sort of a trick. And I, I think Chris was concerned about the privacy issues of it. And the way it works is that we sort of uh, detect your history about the blogs you read. And we import them. We do that through a wait list. So we have a list of the top blogs in the blogosphere, like TechCrunch, you know, uh, GigaOM, um, those you know, you know, Mashable, the, the hot, hot, boing, boing, the hottest blogs. And we just detect through a JavaScript uh, trick whether or not you've seen that, and if you have, we import them for you. I think Chris's concerns were that uh, it could potentially be used for a privacy violation because you could just, you know, um, introspect the browser history. But that's actually not the way it works. It's, it's it, you can't really use it that uh, aggressively. And we actually ask for um, permission before we do it. We have to actually click a button, and then we also allow the user to see what we imported. Yeah, and I know there's been some debate about around it. Uh, Chris specifically talked about uh, some browsers actually see that as a bug right now that they might take out. Right. There is a Bugzilla bug for this. Uh, it's about four or five years old now, and I can f- get you the pointer. I have to look for it. But there's basically a 15-page Bugzilla thread on this uh, browser vulnerability issue. And basically the pr- uh, result was they can't fix it. It would fundamentally break the way the web works, and I think you know people just have to live with it. I think it's it's one of those technologies like crypto where you know terrorists can use cryptography to to communicate um, without government being you know government oversight, but so can you know uh, freedom activists. So I think it's one of these technologies that's really powerful, but it can be used for good and evil. So it's just important that we use it for good, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, have you um have you thought about parlaying that experience with uh, you know auto discovery into winning that Netflix award for improving their recommendation engine? I thought about, about yeah, I've heard about that, and I thought about entering that, but I think the problem is um, one, 
I, I was I don't have time. <laughs> I'm, I'm so busy. I don't have time to work on Tailrank full time. I mean, I am, but I wish I had more time to work on Tailrank, right? And I, I don't know if I have time to enter that. And um, I'm sort of dubious about whether or not you can prove that you're 10% more efficient than their indexing system because, you know, or, or 10% more relevant because it's hard to argue relevance and speed is an issue. So I hope someone wins the award, but I don't know. It just seems like it seems like it would be easier to just raise a VC round and um, uh, you know, sell your company and you can make a million dollars that way. So it seems like they're doing R&D on the cheap, basically. Yeah. So you're uh, you you said you're tracking around 150,000 blogs uh, uh-huh. in a post I saw somewhere, and uh, your goal is to reach 250,000. When uh, when do you expect to hit that, and uh, how exactly are you getting there? <laughs> We're trying to shoot for as soon as possible, so hopefully 30 to 60 days. But we have a secondary crawler that we we run, and it it's basically based on the exact same code as our main crawler. But all it does is try to find blogs that it thinks are uh, sort of worthy. So what it does is it's, it sort of watches the blog activity for about two weeks and figures out if a blog, if lots of mainstream bloggers that are already in our index are linking to this blog and the blog sort of participates in conversation, then we add it to our main index. And the last time we had it running, it uh, indexed about 20,000 blogs in a week. I think it was twenty to 25,000 blogs a week. So uh, we actually had it throttle a little bit. And we're going to de- redeploy it in about a week here on new, uh, on a slightly new architecture. And uh, hopefully it will finish doing a, a crawl, and then we'll pause it again at 250,000 and take a take a, br- a breather and see how that works. So, so uh, you talked about also in the, the version 2, you uh, rewrote your robots and kind of squeezed a little more juice out of them. How uh, how exactly uh, does one go about doing something like that? I mean, what, what kind of things do you do to get them to work a little more efficiently? I can't talk about everything because some of it's uh, <laughs> s- sort of secret sauce. In fact, we came up with uh, one really amazing technique, which was about four orders of magnitude more efficient. And I actually haven't seen any research discussing it, so uh, I'm pretty excited about that. But um, how do you squeeze more juice? Uh, a lot of it is just cluster architecture. Um, like I think some of the more obvious techniques are moving to a new database architecture. S- specifically, Google's been releasing a lot of uh, research that they've done in the last few years. Uh, one of them is Bigtable, uh, which is uh, Google's new crawling infrastructure. Google Analytics runs on it. They have a 72 terabyte uh, database backend that they've uh, they're they're using with Google Analytics now to uh, index all their data. And I, th- I think they've moved some of their crawling infrastructure to it as well. But we've made some changes on our back end that should, theoretically at least, allow us to scale to uh, our, our end goal. I think would I did some math a while back. I think there are around 4 million real blogs. And I, I eventually would like Tailrank to index all of the real blogs. And hopefully our new infrastructure should allow us to do that. Um, speaking of like load balancing and stuff and scaling, um, Josh and I actually started looking into uh, Amazon's EC2 and S3 service. Um, yeah, I, but I, it's actually, EC2 is actually in, a, in, in closed right now. So if anybody out there can get us in, that'd be really great. <laughs> but uh, have you have you looked into any architectures like that, or looked into using something like EC2? I think uh, EC2. If uh, I don't know if you guys have seen MapReduce, but uh, it's a cluster scale. It's a it's sort of a grid uh, compute framework that was developed by uh, Google. 
and there's some open source implementations, but it's really nice. And I think uh, EC2 is pretty amazing. So if someone were smart enough to run uh, MapReduce with S3 on top of EC2, I think they would really uh, be able to build a pretty amazing um, compute infrastructure, uh, especially considering the fact that you can, for, I think the math is like $72 a month, you can get a the equivalent of a Xeon with 2 gigs of uh, memory from Amazon, and you can get real LAN access to S3. I think that's pretty compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, actually, it's even cheaper than that. It, we, uh, we calculated it's only like 68 bucks a month or something. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess it depends on how this much bandwidth only- you're going to use. Yeah. yeah, well, that's without any bandwidth. That would just be... That's just the server. That's the, the server. that's the CPU time. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so. so yeah, I think that it, it would be really compelling. I think uh, we've already sa- that ship has already sailed with us. We use Server Beach, mm. and we're really happy with that. Uh, and for the most part, they're pretty good because they can provision boxes pretty darn quickly. Um, yeah. And if anybody wants a rebate, send me an email. And I'll hook you up. But uh, oh yeah, I saw that on the website. There's a code right there. Yeah, uh, just, if you use that code, you can get a hundred bucks off. So awesome. But uh. Yeah, okay, so what was I saying? Oh, so yeah, they do a pretty good job, and we have all of our hardware there, and we just buy boxes, and they provision them within like about an hour, and it works out pretty well. So uh, I'm pretty happy with that. But all in all, it's probably a little bit more money than EC2. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, well, it, it really comes down to usage. I think with the uh, server beach, you're you're kind of paying for possible usage down the road, versus EC2 is more of like real world usage. <clears throat> So I don't. I don't know. We, we were kind thinking, of been debating on that. We were thinking what would be really cool is if, um, if you if you like if you just got dug and it's starting to ramp up, ramp up, or if you got on TechCrunch, then you could actually just um, on EC2 put up a, a few more instances of your you know of your web server and your database just for that time being, and right. and and you'd be able to weather out that storm. And then you just uh, just kill those instances, and you're and you're back down to normal. You don't have to pay for, you know, what you needed. Assuming you can do that, some people have. Uh, I think the configuration issue is a problem because they can't get the new infrastructure configured in time. It might take about six hours to deploy a MySQL box, get it in replication, and by the time it's you know the digging and the slash dotting and the tech crunching might be over. That's true. So. But you actually have if you um, with EC2, you actually build your images ahead of time. So if you had your things behind a load balance, it seems like you could. I guess it depends on how long it takes for that that image to come online. But if you yeah, have but a you still gotta get the my the the MySQL data still has to get there somehow. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that that's the issue. Yeah, unless you're just static caching websites, but everything's dynamic nowadays, so you'd have to have MySQL. If you can cache things, I mean, Telerank gets away with a lot of performance by caching a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, we cache our pages inside Squid for about five, or no, it's ten minutes. And so this actually gives us downstream caching. And when you go to Telerank.com, that page is actually sitting in memory on a in a Squid box, and uh, there's no rendering that needs to be done. So that's one of the reasons it's really it's really really fast. Oh, so nice. in fact, like we're we're like one of the top consistently top ten uh, fastest websites in, in GrabPerf. Which is a, a, a network monitoring that it does monitoring for Technorati and Sphere and all these you know all these major Web two sites. And we're like one of the top ten, so I'm pretty pretty proud of that. So you, you launched uh, Tailrank on your own dime, didn't you? Uh, originally, I self funded the the bootstrap, and then uh, we just became profitable after that. We started uh, licensing some of our technology to other search startups, and we were able to bootstrap the company up until this point, and we're uh, actually profitable right now which I'm pretty happy about, and uh, hopefully we'll bring in a second employee here soon. 
So I think you're going pretty well. Yeah, and then you you actually freelance out all the all the other work that you can't get done yourself. Yeah, like design and uh, systems administration. So we use a lot of uh, consultants. Um, theory is is that the world is flat, and I don't need to hire tons of you know, hundred and fifty dollar an hour an engineer sysadmins and. In the Bay Area, I can get them. You know, we have two uh, consultants that are helping us out in India, which are, have been really helpful. And we're actually pay- paying them a lot of money by Indian standards, so they're they're loving working with us. So it's really a good relationship. Oh, so you haven't encountered any of the the normal issues with with outsourcing like that? Like the my job went to India, like seen in that book. Which which uh, which specific issues? Um, just with. Uh, Sometimes it seems like uh, from that book, it's you have to kind of micromanage the process, um, specifically lay out exactly what you need. There have been there have been some issues. Uh, I think the biggest issue that I've had is timing. Um, is that uh, he'll be coming online right when I'm going to sleep, and so the handover has to happen. And so uh, if I need to get work done and he needs my help, but I'm out on a date, that can be kind of hard. Um, to get, uh, you know, having a personal uh, life. <laughs> yeah, having a personal life, and it's tricky. Uh, but it does work out really well in that uh, if you think about it, if you can get it to work, um, let's say you need like three more machines deployed, right? And you have to, you can actually go to sleep, ask them, you know, send off an email, ask the machines to be deployed, go to sleep, and wake up, and they're done. And then you know, so you can have a, fu- a company function functioning twenty four seven if you can get it uh, get it working. So uh, I think. That could potentially be a model for the future, where you have um, software engineers that are working out in uh, the Bay Area, and then outsource whatever you don't need to uh, third-party c- uh, companies. So, hmm, that's a good idea. Going back to your blog, you, uh, which is actually was it feedblog.org, is that yeah, your blog? Yeah, that's it. Okay, you uh, you recently had a post on there where you were talking about something Paul Graham said, and uh, in particular. He had said something about taking on a co-founder, and that uh, you know all the big companies always have a co-founder, and, and that's actually you. You never did that, at least not not for Tailrank. Um, you talked about instead taking on an advisory board. How how does that work? I mean, how do you put together an advisory board? I mean, do they get paid? How, how's that all work? Sure. So I think the what Paul was arguing. Paul wrote this really good post about the eighteen top mistakes that. Uh, startups can make early on that can uh, hurt their growth. And the two of the notes, two of the points that he made were, were that, uh, one, um, you shouldn't have a single founder because uh, if you can't even convince one other person to start the company with you, maybe you're, you don't know what you're doing or you have a bad idea. And I think his number 15 uh, point was that uh, one of the main reasons startup fail is an argument between one of the co-founders. And so I responded that, well, you can actually solve both of those by having a single co-founder, or I'm sorry, a, a founder, and then bringing on an advisory board that, uh, you know, sort of is a, has, is a diverse advisory board, has experience in the space before, and that can sort of come in and, and work on it part-time. And we have actually have a really good advisory board. We have uh, Scott Johnson, um, who is a friend of mine, and he was a co-founder of Feedster, and Adam Kelsey, who was co-founder of Fido and did Feedcryer, and uh, Mark Graham, who is now at MSNBC. Uh, he was uh, 
uh, VP of Engineering for iVillage they just got acquired, and Jonathan Moore didn't, didn't know the startup. He's really good at information retrieval. So we have this really brilliant advisory board, and what they allow me to do is sort of keep me uh, sane. I can like run ideas past them. I can say, what about this partnership? What about this change in strategy? And they're able to sort of uh, give me an unbiased, unvarnished perspective, and especially because of the fact that they're outsiders, they're not working with me 24-7, they don't have to drink the Kool-Aid. I, they're not here all the time, so they're exposed to the real world, so they can give you a, a different uh, different perspective. And I actually think that model can work because I think uh, I'd like to see more uh, more and smaller startups um, that are able to execute on a smaller uh, smaller idea. And if you bring in some good advisors, you can actually solve the, the problems with a single uh, single founder. So, how are they rewarded for their for their input? Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to cover that part. Uh, the way I handle it is that you give them uh, stock, and that stock vests um, for a specific term as, as as long as they're an advisor with the company. So I, I like to keep interests aligned. Uh, when you're an entrepreneur, that always becomes a big issue. You want everybody involved in the company to be uh, incentivized towards the success of the company. So by giving them stock, uh, or, or I'm sorry, specifically allowing them to vest stock over a specific period of time, they're incentivized to help me out with the company. Uh, on top of the fact that they'd be interested in general. I mean, you should always find an advisor that would help you out Regardless, probably for free because they're so passionate about it. But it's nice to help people out, you know, uh, in a in a financial capacity as well. Um, now, who do you see as your competitors? Like TechMem, Technorati, you know, Dig, maybe. Let's see. That's a good question. Um, I think our strategy actually probably isn't amazingly clear uh, right now. It'll probably be clearing up within the next couple months as we ship a couple uh, new features. Uh, TechMem is probably a competitor. Because our existing feature set is uh, sort of on par with uh, their feature set, um, Technorati is, uh, but only tangentially, because uh, they have one feature within a larger feature set that we do, and we actually really try to focus on it. So I think we do a better job than uh, Technorati. Dig is, but in a different way. They uh, get the way Dig is um, their homepage is constructed is based on votes. So. TailRank's homepage is based on links, basically, and, and long-term uh, reputation system. So if you look at the output of Dig versus TailRank, TailRank is often more, uh, I don't want to say newsworthy, but that's the only uh, word that's, that's striking me right now, whereas Dig is more um, sensationalistic, um, you know, the top ten ways to get a girlfriend or, like, the pictures of eye surgery on the eyeball. And it obviously drives a lot of traffic because people are interested. But I think uh, because TailRank has a much higher barrier to entry, we end up running, um, I think, more newsworthy content. And that's not necessarily meant to be criticism of Dig. It's just sort of different output. So I think we have different audiences. So we sort of compete and we sort of don't. I think our ma- major competitors are probably more like MSNBC, CNN, uh, um, a more mainstream media, because I really want TailRank to be a, a big company and, and more of a competitor, uh, a more of a mainstream you know, news site. So I guess maybe you consider you know, uh, the competitor there as well. So what are your major differentiators then? From uh, from, from who? From the, well, from your competitors that, that, that you view, like the MSNBC and... Well, I think um, we monitor blogs, and we do a really good job of monitoring blogs. So uh, if you're a mainstream media site, for example, TailRank uh, can break a lot of different stories. Um, that, like, for example, we broke the Reuters um, photo uh, 
Well, the blogosphere broke the Reuters fake uh, image news story. They were in Beirut. They were uh, photographing, or uh, I'm sorry, photoshopping some images from the Beirut war, which is sort of politically incorrect to fake a, a you know war photo. And uh, a whole bunch of bloggers caught it. And then Taylor Rank broke the story and then showed all the clusters. And uh, the mainstream media didn't pick it up for about two, three days later. So if you were reading the uh, Taylor Rank that day, you would have gotten the, you know the, uh, the news a little bit sooner. So uh, we're actually working on some partnership with some, some partnership deals with some mainstream media sites. So it's not necessarily uh, competitors are also potentially partners. Um, with regards to some of the other meme tracking sites, we, we track more blogs than they do. Uh, we track 150,000 sites. I think uh, uh, Meme Random, just in general, only tracks a few thousand. Um, and that's sort of a, an issue, be, I think, because uh, you don't want the A-listers to have too much influence. Um, I think it's also about uh, allowing new, um, new bloggers to come in and sort of influence the conversation. And so I think uh, being more, uh, more of a meritocracy is pretty important. So... Yeah, I remember that that was one of the complaints of um, and kind of why I stopped using Memeo Random was just it was the same people over and over again on the front page. Yeah, I think the goal with the tail rank is I think we want to support all 4 million major blogs. We might not run all the stories from them, but I think it's important to index them. So uh, I think that's our goal, and uh, I think we'll hopefully be able to hit that uh, quarter one. We'll see. So uh, as far as uh, other goals, did you, did you have goals when you started tail rank as far as uh, traffic and and how many people hit the site or what? Uh, how, how did you have goals? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, d- traffic goals. We're hitting all of our traffic goals. We doubled in traffic uh, last month, and the 2.0 release actually saw a big, uh, pretty good boost in traffic. So I'm, I'm really happy that with that. And I'm actually actually hearing a bunch of stories where uh, people are just jumping to TailRank and using it, you know, full time as their. Um, one of their primary news sources for the day. I'm really happy about that. In fact, I had a meeting today, and two people I was meeting with were like, "Yeah, I, I, I saw Tanrag again as part of your 2.0, and I just, I'm, t- I'm totally loving it. You, you, you've sold me. I'm a convert now. So uh, I'm really happy about that. Uh, one of the other things I, I sort of want to solve is that I'm really passionate about politics, and I, I hate the way the mainstream media in the in this country is uh, really. I think their their solution to bias is to be unbiased, and I don't really like that uh, solution. So, one of the things I really like about Tanrank, especially our, our politics.tanrank.com site, is that uh, we run left and right politics. I mean, you can go to Tanrank one day and you'll find this really liberal story that bashes Bush, and then the next day you'll you'll see a a, a really right wing story that finds uh, some you know controversy and it's back and forth liberal and conservative and 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 they're hitting it out and it's really very much a democracy and I, and I love that fact that um, you know I mean the country's at war right now and the political climate and the country is insane and I, and I like the fact that uh, you know Taylor rank is sort of maybe hopefully helping to solve that problem but so well, on a little bit lighter note, um, so actually, who does, uh, <laughs> who, uh, who does the the CSS and design work for TailRank? Oh, you don't want to keep talking about politics, man. Okay. Um, uh, well, I've done most of the CSS work, and I obviously did design for the last release, which is absolutely horrible, <laughs> horrible uh, UI. And so, I'm I'm really happy about the uh, the current release. The everybody's just totally loving it. So, pretty slick. Yeah. So you pass it off. the The two point was passed off to someone. Yeah, else. we brought in a, another firm to to help us out, and, and uh, they've done a pretty good job. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's always better to get someone else to do it, <laughs> not the programmer. Especially, yeah, when you're a programmer and you're a geek, uh, and especially when you're, I found that if when you're working on the engine, uh, it's hard to design the body. You know what I mean? It's like if you're, if you're working inside of mm-hmm. a car, inside the carburetor, you don't really work on the, you know, the curves and the paint job. I mean, I really, I'm really blind to the UI issues of TailRank, so it's nice to help, help if someone else help out. And uh, going back to, I guess, your blog again, you uh, you had asked uh, users when IE7 was released, you know, did they did they see any problems with uh, with the new design? Uh, when you worked with the design firm, did they check it for IE7 compatibility? Did that did that come up at all? And uh, what kind of issues have you run into with that? We didn't actually ask them to check IE7 um, because we we had most of the site already basically done, and I so I, the, the theory was that if they did a if they delivered templates, I would just end up rewriting them anyway. But IE7 wasn't actually released at that point in time, and the only feedback that I've uh, IE7 is primarily actually run well on. Uh, Tailrank 2.0, but I uh, had to disable some things, and the disable check check for IE, I, any version of IE, and so I, I think in the next release we'll support IE 7 a little bit better. We uh, actually disable fave icons, and then if you're on Firefox, you can actually uh, collapse all the threads on the on the front page, and that stuff was disabled for IE 7, so we're uh, we fixed that uh, moving forward. So it'd be nice to get that out. Cool. Well, I think. Uh that was all the questions we had for you, Kevin. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, let's go back to politics. That, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure our listeners <laughs> love that. Yeah, right. I think most of them are outside of the United States. They'd be like, "What? what, what oh, really? That's this? cool. That's yeah. great." <laughs> so, so uh, all right. Well, well, thanks wait, for, uh, well, one more thing. Um, I guess you oh. just released a new version, but we always have to ask our, our listeners. Do want, oh yes. Do you want to do the honors, Josh? Oh yeah, I guess I guess I have to. Do you have any uh, super secret projects or announcements that uh, you're getting ready to make? Oh, super secret products or announcements. Right. <laughs> the, the, super, the super secret kind that I can announce on a podcast that everybody's listening to. Exactly. Uh, hmm. I don't think so. Any right now, but maybe you guys will be the first per- uh, people. We just, I mean, we just did uh, 2.0 release 2.0, and so. Uh, I think we're probably going to take a, a little bit of a pause before we do anything uh, uh, major <laughs> Major again. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show, man. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Okay, guys. Just uh, a few things to note here before we wrap up the podcast. Uh, just wanted to apologize for the, I guess, uh, inactivity on the website. Uh, I was actually in the middle of a move and just completed it, so... Hopefully uh, we'll get back on track here and and we've got some great podcasts lined up for you guys. For those who are wondering, we are still planning on doing the name change contest. Um, I've gathered the list. Uh, We we actually put a little entry there in the forum and asked people to kind of vote for what they thought were the top five or ten names. Uh, And we've compiled a list from that, but I need to find some kind of software that we can embed in the into the the website that would allow people to vote right from from the web2oshow.com. Uh so if you guys have any suggestions send us an email web2oshow@gmail.com and uh we'll pop that in there. The the last item of note here is that we are actually changing the Podvine network a little bit. Um if you go to podvine.com right now it, it's still the old site and uh it's still showing all the old info. Uh, we're turning it into more of uh, web 
network uh, for podcasts and video podcasts. Uh, anything that's dedicated to web technology, web design, web development, uh, anything along those lines. We're expanding the network, uh, adding more podcasts, and we're going to have a site with a dedicated feed where you can go and you can uh, subscribe to that feed if you want or uh, f- you know, find the other podcasts. We also have a Flash Player on the site. Uh, we're also working on some other features. We think it's going to be great. We have uh, four or five people lined up right now, and we're looking to expand it. So if you know anyone that's uh, doing any kind of web technology podcast, entrepreneurial-type podcast, uh, let us know, and uh, we'll, we'll get in touch with them. And, oh, I guess one other thing real quick. Uh, we're actually opening lifetime hosting again with SteelPixel. Uh, the last round was successful, uh, but we... We wanted to offer it, I guess, one one last time for anyone that might have missed it. So uh, hopefully starting next Monday, we'll, we'll have that up there and it'll be available to the public uh, for people to purchase if they're interested. As always, be sure to check out SteelPixel.com for any information about our freelance development or our web hosting. Or be sure to visit web show.com to get more information about the podcast.